Welcome to the Recover You podcast with Kyleen and Patrick Terhune. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Hello, Patrick. Good afternoon, energetic Kyleen. <laughs> You're not energetic. Do you need a third try? Third try? Okay, well, welcome to this episode. Pulling the curtain back. I told Patrick before we had this, before I pushed record, I was like, I'm a little, I'm here, I'm present, I have the energy to do this, but I don't have a lot of energy. So now he uh, is making fun of me. No, I shifted the narrative. <laughs> You're now energetic, Kyle. Oh, reframe, reframe. Yep. All right, I'm owning the new identity that I am an energetic person. That's right. <laughs> Cool. So today we are talking about the idea of talking to your children once uh, once you discover that um, someone in the marriage has been betrayed or had an addiction or or whatever. So this is sort of two parts, right? Um, there's a lot of questions that surround this. One, should I do it? If I should do it, how do I do it? Um, what's the reasoning behind talking to my kids, things like that. But also there's a, there's kind of two separate parts to this one. There's the question around, should I share my story? Right? Like I was, um, an addict and we know there's a huge spectrum with that of behaviors. And, you know, some people may just be like, I don't want my kids to know anything about my behavior. And, uh, the other question, so question number one is, do I tell them about the behavior itself? Right? Like, do I explain that I was an addict and at least let them in on some of the information. But the other one is, do I talk to them about about pornography and sex in general? Like not even having anything to do with your personal story. Right. And so I kind of want to talk about both of those today and also laying the foundation of Patrick and I are, are both coming from a perspective where we were both exposed to sexual things in an inappropriate way at an age that was inappropriate uh, without having these conversations with our parents. And for me, that led to a lot of trauma in my life as I processed what I had been exposed to and what happened to me and learning about what that meant and my brain trying to figure it out. And as I learned more about sexuality as I got older and all, all this kind of stuff. And, and so it caused a lot of problems in my life. And then obviously for you, um, being exposed to inappropriate sexual images and books and um, knowing that your dad looked at porn, all this kind of stuff at a really young age, obviously set the stage for you later in life to know that it's out there and to have already seen things and to know that it's an option for you, that sort of thing. So I would say that we both come from the perspective that, I don't know about you, but I'm going to speak for myself. I wish my parents had had certain conversations with me I mean, I always joke about this, uh, that um, my mom never even gave me the conversation about having my period until I had my period. And I had thought that I was like bleeding internally for like three days (laughs) before I told her. (laughs) Right. So like we just did not have these conversations and there was no talk about sexuality, which can be really damaging because in my experience, I was exposed to it in a very negative way um, through, I always, I don't know, I struggle still using the term abuse, but when I was sexually abused as a kid from a neighbor boy, and so the exposure that I had 
was in a very unhealthy, very inappropriate way. And then I was left to my own devices to kind of figure it out as I aged, right? And the conversations that maybe I was exposed to were more about purity culture in the church and stuff like that. And so it just, I did not get a well-rounded picture. And so when this happened with our story, Keegan was 17. 16. Was he 16? 16. He was 16 and uh, still had his final year of high school ahead of him. And so we were trying to navigate the explosion that was happening in our personal life while also trying to figure out, well, how do we protect him through this process while we're dealing with really heavy emotional weight and negative energy in the house? And then how do we also communicate to him to protect him as he goes out and steps into adulthood? So that's kind of like laying the foundation of what we're going to talk about. Those are my thoughts. What about you? So you know, a lot of times, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't necessarily blame my blame my parents because I think people only can can act on only what they know, and so I think you know, while it would have been nice to um, get those um, the that feedback from uh, from my parents as to you know what was harmful, what wasn't, you know, I always kind of think about this like. My mom, I think, knew you know some of the things that were happening in the house. She wasn't a big fan of them, but didn't feel in her um, in the relationship that she could really exert her influence, you know, and things like that. And you know, they just are what they are. And I think both of them, if they knew, and this is where it comes, if they both knew that I was going to turn into a sex addict and you know, almost ruin things, they would have done things differently. I think we, we, we know that as, as kids or as parents, right? For like, hey, if I knew this was coming, I would have done yeah, this Yeah, I mean, I want to make sure, like even sharing my own yeah. story, like neither one of us blames our parents for anything. Right. We do, I mean, if you've listened to any of our episodes, we firmly believe in personal responsibility. And when you are an adult, that, you know, these are choices that you have the ability to make yourself. And I think we would both say, I wish our parents had those conversations with us. Right, right. Yeah. And and I also think so. Then then you break it down into into like you know the wounds and pornography and things like that. And I think the 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 my perspective is if you know from talking to your kids, you know, there's there's two aspects to this. Number one, just talking to your kids about what they're going to see because it's not you're never going to prevent them from it. They are going to see it. The pornographers have a mission to get people hooked as early as they can. So they're going to be doing that. So you have to prepare your kids for what's going to happen when they get exposed, right? It's not yeah, a matter of... Yeah, right, right. so it's, it's definitely an if. It's definitely It's just going to happen. And um, as you navigate, you know, as, as ashamed as I was to have to tell Keegan these things, it really led to some deep, good conversations for me and him to work through this. So yeah, I, I didn't serve as a good example for him, but then in a weird way through my healing, I served as a good example for him. So I think, I think, you know, kids are smart. They know what's going on and um, they appreciate honesty and candor and things like that, but it does have to be age appropriate. Too. Yeah. I was going to say, so yeah. let's talk about, so I broke it into two chunks basically sharing about your story and the experience you're going through but then also talking about porn and sexuality in general with your kids so let's start just like let's just talk about number one when people <clears throat> say i have kids i just found out that my husband um is having an affair or is a porn addict or whatever you know what do i do um the number one thing is obviously kind of figuring out what's going on first right so i'm not saying to have these conversations like week one or even maybe month one or you know, two or three, once you kind of know what's going on in the relationship, you know, is your husband, 
somebody that's going to be consistent with his sobriety? Um, is there abuse going on? Is there not abuse? Is it a safe place? Are you able to establish some um, stability in the household? Like all of these things are things you're going to be figuring out in the first several months. And that really dictates a lot of the decisions you're going to make and how you'll communicate to your family and all these kinds of things. So that's one consideration. The other consideration is uh, managing and trying to maintain their lives as normally as possible while you're figuring this out, right? I think every parent's first concern is how is this going to impact my children when I'm going through something really, really stressful. I know Keegan was like a, a thought for us, like within the first 24 hours of, oh my gosh, like he's going to know, like we're, we're in the bedroom, hashing things out, asking a million questions, talking about stuff. He's going to know that something is wrong. There's a lot of emotion in the household. And so we started communicating to him on a very basic level just to let him know, hey, we're working through some things, but we didn't, you know, that, that wasn't the moment that we were telling him everything. Yeah. So I think that those are important considerations. How can we, and the other, the other piece of it with Keegan was I had decided like very early on, like within the first couple of days, that regardless of what happened between us and where it went or where it didn't go or whatever, that I was going to be physically present in the home through his senior year. So there's a lot of decisions like that that can be made early on. Like I, I wanted to make sure that it was um, as stable for him as possible. He had gone through a lot of instability and a lot of moves before he came to Ohio. And then there was just a lot of change for him in his life. And so we had really worked hard on providing um, some normalcy and stability for him mm -hmm. for the past 10 years. And so that was a real concern when this came up. I said, I really, listen, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be present now there was probably some better ways that I could have communicated that, right? Um, or thought through that or um, shared it. Or, you know, there are probably some better resources that like we didn't have at the time in terms of how to communicate. But that those were sort of the overarching ideas of let's let his life be as normal as possible. Let's figure out what the heck is going on with us. And then we did have this idea of keeping him in on the loop in, or in the loop. And the thing about that is, what you had mentioned was age appropriateness. And I think that's where people get really hung up on it is, should I tell my kids? Should I tell my kids at all? I think the answer is always yes. Mm -hmm. Always yes. Yep. Your kids are smart. And as human beings, they are absorbing the energy in your home. And so if that energy is off from you as the parents between your relationship, it's going to impact your energy towards them as well, whether you want it to or not, just because yeah. that's the energy you're living I, in. I, I remember I told him pretty early on because we were having these conversations. Um, and I, you know, I don't think it was that Saturday or that Sunday you've heard our story. Um, or maybe even that Monday because I took Monday and Tuesday off as we tried to process through some of this. But I know I told him very quickly, hey, there's something that mom and I are going through. It's because I did something you wrong. You actually did tell him that weekend yeah that's yeah. that's the version you told him that weekend yeah I did something <laughs> wrong really early. and because I wanted him to I wanted him to know that like it wasn't a health issue it wasn't right because um, I had had cancer before right right and so and I also wanted him to know because I was thinking you know if I end up having to if you want me to leave the house or whatever I, I wanted him to have a general idea you know, like, and then at one point I, you know, I was sleeping downstairs. So I, and, and I re remember I did tell him, I was like, Hey, whatever you need, we're here for you, you know, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. It's just something we're going to have to work through. It's a couple issue yeah, and we're going to have to work through this. So that was, that was the, er, that was Couples the first issue. Thing. You actually told him it was something that you had done. 
Yeah, yeah, right. But it's creating issues in the in the couple. Yeah, yeah, right, in the coupleship. So I did tell him that right away. And then it was, I don't know, it was when I was downstairs because I remember I pulled him aside and I was very much like, because I went over and I told your parents. You know, I think that was like week two or something like that. I went over and told your parents because I felt like they should know. And that was in my limited, you know, ability of telling the truth. But I actually felt the same with Keegan. So I actually told him, he and I had a conversation and I told him a little bit more about what I had been doing. I think I mentioned cyber sex and I think, you know, I'd spent a lot of money and and things like that and, and you know, shared a little bit more information with him mm-hmm. as to what had happened. Mm-hmm. So he was aware of what was going on mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And I don't think he had a lot of questions at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he, was probably, he probably didn't know what all of that meant. Right. And right. then he was probably... Um, you know, we have to realize um, anyone that has not experienced this needs to understand that people that get this information do have betrayal. They experience betrayal from this. And a lot of them end up with trauma from that betrayal. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly my experience. And we've talked in depth about that. But Keegan also had that as well. And one of the things that I did not do very well is acknowledge that, I think, at first, that this was also something that he was experiencing a betrayal on. And he was trying trying to communicate that to me. And um, I was so wrapped up in my own pain and my own betrayal that I don't really think I did a good job of acknowledging that. But I think (laughs) the reality is, even though it's, it's kind of like with the spouse, right? Yeah, it will absolutely betray and and hurt your wife to find out that you are doing these things, and you really have no choice but to tell her. Like you need that. That's not really negotiable. I and people may disagree with this, but I again within age appropriate limits, and that's going to be based on your comfort level and you, you know your belief systems and all of those kinds of things. I really think it's the same for your kids. Like they, they deserve to know at least the basics of what's happening. It is in their home. It is in their safety environment. Right. It's in right. their space. And, and this is where they are getting their knowledge for life from the people that they trust to lead them. And it's the same thing. If they find out for like 10 years that you've been lying to them, that you, you know, and that's kind of what his betrayal was, right? Like the same as mine. You were presenting yourself a certain way and then he found out it was different. I do remember him saying, but you used to get me in trouble for, or like you used to punish me for lying. And so, you know, that was, you know, that's the betrayal. It's like, here's the guy that executed on my punishments and he wasn't able to actually do the things you know, he couldn't lead by example. Yeah. And so, you know, those were there's those were very hurtful things. And I'm sure he, you know, he was probably wondering well, what's going to happen. You know, what does this mean? It was very uncertain like it is for anybody and stuff like that. But, you yeah, know, I mean, it that's was, where I like tried to do the right thing by saying, yeah. hey, I want you to know that like whatever happens, like I'm going to be in the house and, mm-hmm. and you're going to have a normal senior year. And I tried to communicate that mm-hmm. as as early as I could. And right. my intention was to give him support in that, right? Mm-hmm. Stability in that. I don't think he interpreted it that way necessarily yeah. right away. Well, he told me at one point, he said that, uh, he goes, and I think he told me this after he went to West Point or just whatever, shortly before. He's like, yeah, at one point I was just like, I'm ready to go away to college and you two can figure yourselves out or something like that, you know? And, and I get it because it's like, you you know, you my, my, my idiot adult parents 
you know, and, and he lumps them together because that's what kids do. They you lump your parents mm-hmm. together, and 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 uh, you know, he was he was just like, you know, I, I want to get away from this stress and the tension in the house and stuff like that. Yeah, you know? well, and that's so. what I'm saying. Like you, how, how do I say this? And I, I I know that every situation is different and every family is different, but you cannot, no matter how well you think you're managing this situation, hide this from your kids. Oh yeah, your kids are incredibly, you know, they're we're all energetic beings, and you can you can sense the energy, and you know, people can't, you know, I guess some people could put on a completely brave face and stuff like that, but I mean, whether I, they know it consciously or not, yeah, that's my point. Is right, subconsciously right. they are absorbing yeah. this information. Well, and you know, there were there were so many church services. You know, the the fact that he did hear. There were a lot of church services we went to that I couldn't keep it together. I was crying and stuff like that, and you were sitting far apart from me. And so, you know, through that process, he was part of the healing. He would reach over and he'd put his arm around me, and, you know, he would do these different things because he knew the story, and he was able to kind of lean in and and help out and, you know, be part of the part not that, of the family. Not that it was his responsibility. Yeah, it was not his and we didn't expect that, but he was... He was, you know, he was a, a mature kid who's been through a lot and, you know, was able to understand hurt and, and things like that. Yeah. So, again, I think um, the, the summary here is they're going to know something is up, whether they know the details or not. And my thought process is to get them in on it as early as you can with age-appropriate levels of information. So if they're really young, that's going to be very, very different. You know, that mm-hmm. might be mommy and daddy are arguing and having some disagreements right now, but we love you. It has nothing to do with you. Um, you know, we want to let you know that if you have any questions, please come to us. And you, you're creating a very safe environment for mm-hmm. them to express whatever emotions they have about what they're feeling in the home. I think that's huge because one of the one of the best things that can be done between a parent-child relationship is that feeling of safety in that if I'm feeling something, if I have a question, if I don't know what's going on, I can come to you and I can ask a question, even if I think it's weird or uncomfortable. And that kind of brings us right into the second point about talking to them about porn and sex in general, because that is creating that environment of hey, I saw this at school. I feel a little uncomfortable about it. They, you're creating this environment where they feel safe enough to come to you because you have told them that they can. But beyond that, what I'm going to recommend is two specific books. Um, but first, let's just talk about why it's important to talk about porn. Patrick mentioned this a second ago. Your children, it is not a matter of if, it is a matter of when they're going to be exposed. Now, this is not always the case. So if you're going, well, I wasn't exposed to it until I was in my 20s, yes, Technology has advanced. If your kids have a tablet, if they watch YouTube videos, if they have any version of technology handed to them, even if it is like innocent technology, it is able to be on that piece of technology and it is really insidious. And let's take technology completely out of it. Keegan was like 10 years old and some kids showed him a picture at a bus stop. That's right, yeah. So yeah, if your well. kids engage in the world, if they have friends outside of the home, if they engage in any sort of sports or group activities, if they exist in this world today, they will be exposed in some way. Right, yeah, and I've heard this before. So you have, sometimes bus buses will come. So buses pick up elementary, then they pick up junior high, then they pick up high school, right? So think about it this way. You have a fifth grader on a bus with a first grader. Fifth grader walks down to the first grader because it's always that kid, right? And so fifth grader walks down to the first grader and shows him something. Mm 
And so those are the types of things that are happening. And I mean, you can't really control, you don't know what their home environment is, right? Mm -hmm. So you can only control your home environment and what your kids are exposed to in your home. But like for my example, just specifically the neighbor boy that, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, molested me, whatever. Um, he had a really, I, I have always thought that he was probably exposed to those types of behaviors and sexuality in his home environment because of what I knew about that home and mm -hmm. their life. And so it's, you just don't know. People have different environments and different homes. And your kids will get exposed. The, the age, unfortunately, is getting younger and younger and younger and right. younger. It's just horrible. So equipping them at a young age is going to be really important and again age appropriate so there are two books that i recommend really could I highly say, could i say one other thing too um i have heard of of uh stories where kids have been exposed on school devices oh yeah so you know sometimes people go well that's a school device they'll lock it down mm -hmm. you can't you can't you should not think that that's going to be the problem, the, the the actual case. You have to take it as like, <laughs> I have a good friend of mine um, who I work with who was actually a Green Beret, and he says you got to treat everything like an insurgency at times, you know what I mean? So think about it. It is an insurgency, and if you think about the mission of the pornography industry, the sooner they can get people addicted, then they have lifelong Oh, customers. yeah, they have absolutely no right. morals. Yeah. Like, they don't and have so, an age limit. So like, they, they just want to get they, it out there. Right, they're not, they're not you know, worried about doing anything that that is against a moral code so they're just going to do it so you have to approach it that way um and so you know, the, you know sometimes people will buy their kids a smart tv and then they won't think about it and then they find out their kids you know their their young kids have been accessing pornography on the smart tv that's in their room so you just, you just have to think this stuff through and it stinks that you have to but you just have to oh yeah anything that has technology anything that has apps anything yeah, mm -hmm. at all. You have to kind of think parental controls and blocks. and But beyond that, you have to have the conversation. Right. And so that's where these books come in. The first book I really highly recommend is called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids. And there's actually two age ranges for it. So there's a junior version and there's a 7 to 11 version so that you can actually, they, they change the wording in, in the books so that you can actually have these age-appropriate conversations. And I just think the title is so good, right? Good pictures, bad pictures. There's good pictures out there and there's bad pictures out there. And the book basically just talks to children about like, what do you do if you see a picture that makes you uncomfortable, right? Like Keegan um, saw that picture at the bus stop and it was just the weirdest timing because I had been in some sort of... Um, women's group at church where they were talking about having these conversations with your kid. And I was like, oh, I need to talk to Keegan. And I said something. It was literally like the next day that he came and told me that that happened at the bus stop. So if you give them the tools at a young age, they will use them because mm -hmm. they, they want, they, if they don't feel good, they want to feel safe coming to you and asking questions. And so that's really what this book does is it teaches them like there are good pictures and there are bad pictures and there are things that you will be shown and exposed to in life that uh, make you feel uncomfortable. And here's here's how, and this is really important, here's how you can talk to your parents about it. And here are the words you can use. And that is absolutely a huge, huge deal. And the second book is God Made All of Me. And so that book specifically is um, talking about their bodies and their body parts. So, you know, we don't want to shame kids about sexuality. We want to teach them what healthy sexuality is. We want to teach them that their bodies are normal and, um, 
And again, opening up that conversation in a way where they feel safe to ask us the questions about, hey, this weird thing is happening, what's going on, right? And so this book, again, gives them the words. And the reason I think words are so important is because I tried multiple times to communicate to my mom over the course of several years in childhood what had happened to me when I was young. I did not have the words. And when I was reading my... um I'm not sure if it was God made all of me. I think it might've been God made all of me in my, my therapist had handed me this book and I was reading it in her office. And there was one particular part that I just started crying. And it was basically like, man, had I been given this, you know, when I was a kid, had I had the words, had I had the tools, had I had the explanation. And so that is so, so much more powerful than maybe we even understand just thinking well I'm going to teach them that there's this stuff out there no you're actually giving them the resources that they need to use words that you will understand in order to protect them and have a conversation with them about what they just experienced and you really cannot put a price tag on that because that is so valuable have you ever been in therapy and you hear something like you are so self-aware or you're so smart, or you're doing so great. But internally, you're thinking, no, I'm not. I came here for tools. I came here for resources. I'm hurting, I'm struggling, and I need help. And what they're essentially telling you is that they don't have any more tools or resources for you. That can be so frustrating. When you are someone who is very self-aware that feels your emotions, that's willing to do the work, and you aren't getting any homework or you don't feel like you're processing anything in your sessions, it can feel so defeating because you really want to move forward. Listen, I totally get it and I'm here to help. Let me tell you why Phoenix Transformation Coaching Method might help you. In my Phoenix Transformation Method, I use a unique combination of functional medicine, trauma processing, and coaching that really gives you all the tools you need even or especially when you feel stuck. No matter what phase of recovery you are in, your coaching sessions will be personalized to you so that you can safely and effectively move towards the next stage in your recovery. If you're ready to see how this might support you, book a connection call today with the link in the show notes. I can't wait to meet you. I think one of the, uh, as I think about this and everything that, that, that I, you know, essentially to a man in the groups that I run, they've all been exposed at a young age. I don't think there's one person, I'm sure I can find somebody, but they've all been exposed at a young age. So as you go through this with your kids, I think one of the most important things you you have to keep in mind is try your very best not to shame them if they come and speak to you about it. So for example, if they got on their device and they were actually intentionally looking at some things, if you shame them, they're gonna go underground. And well, so, shame then plays into the other emotions that right, they might trigger right. behavior again. Yeah. So I think what, what, you know, there's prudent steps to take, locking it down, doing things like that, but making sure that, that you recognize what it is for what it is, which is a, a, um, something that's not their fault initially and, but it can get their hooks into them. And so, you know, we just, you know, I, I wouldn't call them addicts. No, I wouldn't do have, anything like that. Like be, you know, be very kind. Well, what are some it. of the things you can say exactly is, um, you know, how did that make you feel? And then right. they're going to say, well, I kind of felt funny and maybe, you know, it did this thing to my body and, um, well, I kind of liked that. Right. And then yeah. you have the opportunity to talk to them about how that's like an unnatural 
stimulation, but it's, it's a, um, it's an unhealthy version of something that's really, really healthy. Thank and you so much for th- telling me. Thank you me. for telling yeah. me. Um, you know, you're creating this really safe environment, but then you have the opportunity to actually explain what, that there's something better out there. Right, right. And, and, you know, which is which is the conversation you ultimately want to have with your kids at a very young age is talk about the beautiful nature of sexuality and and the beautiful side of it because and not it is making a them feel weird about their bodies that's right. right like that's, that's a right. big part of yeah, it like if they don't have if they don't feel like they can say the word vagina or if they don't even know what that is and then they hear it it's gonna feel bad right yeah, or if they're right. if the tone in the house about sexuality is hush hush we don't talk about it and they are going through puberty and they're having some changes in their body then they're if 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 you have not broached the conversation, they're not going to broach it with you. Right. And there's kids that have walked in on their parents having sex. And so it's a real opportunity to kind of talk talk through that, you know, as, as embarrassing as that might be for everybody involved. I never understand that. I'm like, do you not lock your doors? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. But I mean, those things it happen, happens, right? Happens. Yeah, those, this happens. So, you know, I think the point is, is we want to have conversations with our kids on these topics. We want to treat our kids as if they're capable. And, you know, there's imagine, you know, because ultimately as your kids grow older, you know, we all wound our children. We all do. And, and, and there's, it's just going to happen. But imagine, I always kind of think about this because we talk about this at work too, is you want to have more credits in the bank with your kids than you have debits. And so this is an area where you can really build some credits with them. Mm-hmm. And because you're ultimately going to say something wrong in a moment where you're tired or whatever like that, when they really need you and maybe you're not there for them. But this is just an area where we can be very proactive with them and talk them through some of these issues and create a safe environment because they're going to be out in this over-sexualized world like we were. And and they're going to get... And it's getting more. Right, Like just, I mean, we can all argue that every generation has had this sort of an influence. But you you really cannot argue that they've had this level of exposure. It just right. it continues right. to get worse, and that's yeah. just a reality with technology that it is different. It yeah. is different than yeah. fifty years ago, where you had to actually walk into a store and purchase something in order to watch it or to look through a magazine. part of town. That that sort of thing. It doesn't happen that way anymore. You know, and, and I also think too. You know, there's a you know if you, if you think of the long term, there's a lot of long term objectives to doing the short term things you do with kids. So like. When you have your kids do things like chores or you have your kids do their homework, you know, is it about getting an A on the test? Absolutely. Is it about them contributing to the house and doing that? Absolutely. But you're, you're building adults, right? And so one of the things that, that, you know, I have discovered, you know, from my own journey of healing is there's an incredible amount of freedom. And I think my big regret is I, I wish I hadn't had to wait till I was 50. And so imagine being able to help your kids achieve that at a very, very young age and not have to take their marriages through what Kylene and I have had to go through. So think about it. You know, every everything that's done well sometimes takes a little bit of time. So this is not a, you know, hand them the God made all of me book at Christmas demand that they read it and if they don't read it you ground them and then you never talk to them again about it like you well, have to get in front of it i also think it's important to not be hypocritical about it that's right that's so right. um you know if for example you guys are staying together and the the spouse that is an addict is continually relapsing maybe that spouse is not the one to be having these conversations maybe it's the spouse that is um you know going through the betrayal mm-hmm. the the conversation needs to be had but i think it 
I just don't think it long term is going to go well if one parent is being hypocritical in telling their kids to do something that they're not doing. I agree with that. And and so, you know, that that's a, uh, you know, Keegan has decided to follow a path that's very similar to my path. So the fact that I was able to get into healing and what I mean by that is he's going to West Point and I had gone to West Point too. And so I'm able to kind of talk to him. Actually, I didn't tell you this, but I asked him the other day, hey, how are you doing with with pornography he's like he's like oh I'm, I'm fine you know so we would have never had that conversation you know and so i think to your point i'm not relapsing so i can have that conversation and we can we can you know we can talk through that you know well i think that go that's a good transition into the question of what were the benefits of us having all these conversations with him so um one of them was that he saw the problem immediately chose voluntarily to be proactive we didn't force anything on him other than hey we think you should get some therapy because we're in therapy and this is traumatic but actually before you move off of that it is very traumatic and so i think you know i think anytime because i remember one of my traumas was my my parents relationship and that showed up in my in my limbic lies and things like that, the, the vows that I told myself. And so I think watching your parents go through a hard thing that could lead to a change in life circumstance for you is absolutely something that, that you need to invest in therapy for, for your, oh, yeah. kid, your kid for. So Yeah, because that's not, if it's what's going on between you guys, like, yes, make a safe space for them to ask questions. And we did, but they can't really process all of that with you because it is you. Well, and, and you know, as much as he loves me and he's open and honest with me, I was the guy that, that betrayed you and betrayed him. So there's going to be some things that right. maybe I can't handle. Maybe not that he won't tell me, but maybe I can't handle in the moment of where I am from a healing perspective. So one of so we didn't force him to do anything, but he having these conversations, he saw the problem and he was basically like, I want to be really proactive about this because I don't want this to be my story. And one of the things that I said to him was like, you have all the tools and resources now to not go down this path because, you know, your dad did not have all this information when he was going into college. Like it could have been a totally different story for him, but now you are totally empowered and have all the knowledge and the resources and the tools and you can change your story. You know, you can write it however you want, right? Like I remember um, one of the, so he, just to kind of wrap that point up of him volunteering, he chose to put blockers on his phone. He asked for these things. We did not force him to do them. And so he took proactive action himself so that as he moved out into the world, he had some extra layers of protection voluntarily to just keep him safe. Because, I mean, he is on technology a lot. He's on YouTube mm-hmm. all the time and all this kind of stuff. So he he voluntarily did that. Um, so, but one of the things that we did that, you know, cause we did not do everything perfectly. Um, we, we really made some missteps in this. And I mentioned earlier, I was trying to do the right thing when I was communicating to him very early on that I was going to be in the house, but, uh, that it wasn't necessarily received the way I wanted it to be received. And so we had some, um, there were some bumps in the road in the first few months, but then Patrick also was going through the Conqueror series, the support group information, with Keegan and um, Keegan was happy to do that. He was totally on board. He wanted to learn the information and get the tools and resources. And in one of the weeks, it tells the men to uh, share the information with their partner, right? So the disclosure process that we've talked about a lot. And so Keegan was taking, or Patrick was taking Keegan through this and he goes, well, I'm going to read Keegan our disclosure. 
he never told me that he was going to do that. So I was actually that night in a support group myself while he was going through the Conquer program with Keegan. I'm in the support group. I get a text from Patrick that says, I read Keegan the disclosure. He's really upset. I don't like, I don't know what to do or whatever. And then I freaked out because I was like, I can't believe you would read him that. Like when we're talking about age appropriate, there are things in the disclosure that you need to know as a spouse that no child needs to know. Like there are details in there that are very traumatic that no child needs to know. And so I hopped, I hopped over to his room. I like ran over there and I, I remember I was like, get out. Like I told you to get out of the room. I know this is, um, this is a hard memory, but I basically put you out of the room and was talking to Keegan because his fear in that moment, after hearing all of that information that was way too much for him to process, his fear at the moment was, I'm so much like you, I'm going to do these things too. And he didn't want that to happen. And so we we definitely did not do it perfectly. That is one moment that we would both take back 100%. Yeah, and, and actually this was the second time we had gone through Conquer. The first time I just had him watch the videos and then the second time through, and I always asked him, hey, you want to go through it again? And he was like, yeah, sure. And and so this time he had a journal. He was journaling and he had the study mm-hmm. guide and he was just, we were doing all of the things, yeah. you know? And uh, uh, in my in my overzealousness, I was like, hey, I'll do it. And, you know, you, 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 I remember as soon as it happened and he, he got, he, you know, he just did not want to see me and he was crying and and it was horrible. And, and so at that moment it hit me and I was like, what was I thinking? And, and, you know, if you think about a full therapeutic disclosure, you know, there's an operative word in the middle there, which is therapeutic. And so, you know, when I read the disclosure to Kylene, there was two professionally trained therapists in the room to help you. And so it just, it was a hard moment. We got him in for some emergency therapy the next day. I didn't sleep that night. I got into therapy the next day. And so, you know, ultimately it, it was a, it, it turned out to be a good thing ultimately. Um, and it wasn't done with malice on my end. You know, I was actually trying to to drive some healing and lead by example and, you know, and, and things like that. But it was I just, think the, the benefits- it was bad judgment. Oh, 100%. It was yeah. terrible judgment. I was really <laughs> shocked and very angry because you had been making so many good decisions. And I was like, why did you think that that was appropriate? Mm-hmm. But um, the idea, the reason that there were benefits from it is because the idea was still okay in terms of like, let me communicate some information to him that's going to help him understand how scary this world is and the things that are out there. And that's okay. Just doing it in the way that you did was not. Right. And so right. the benefits that came out of it, of him knowing more and being more aware and all this kind of stuff, I still think we could have gotten those by doing it in a a better way Um, because basically the outcome was from him just knowing a little bit more information. It wasn't from us traumatizing him. Well, and what's interesting is, you know, he's a really strong kid. I mean, he's just a really, really amazing kid. And, uh, you know, he's turned into an amazing young man. And, and I'll never, I'm probably going to get emotional thinking about it. But I remember that night um, after things had kind of settled down, I went in to hug him. And I think he encouraged me or something. He was like, Dad, it's okay. And, yeah. and it, was, it was hard. Yeah. Yeah, he's been really, really good. Um, and, but we were, you know, obviously after all of this, really concerned about 
him processing things. And so we encouraged him to keep talking to his therapist and we right. talked to him a lot. And so I think that in summary, there, there are only, only a few things that are important. One, creating a safe environment where your kids feel totally comfortable asking you uncomfortable questions that they're not going to be embarrassed or shamed by coming to you with things that are really like awkward in their mind or uncomfortable in their mind. And then having the conversations that you don't want to have with them really early on, making sure that it is age appropriate. And I guess from the the learning from what we just told you that story, make sure you guys are communicating about this, you know, every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously had we communicated ahead of time, I would have said, no, that's a horrible idea, right? Um, and But also I realize that sometimes this is one only one parent doing this at a time, right? The other parent might not be safe to involve. And so if that's the case, then, you know, reaching out to a friend or, um, you know, your therapist or your coach, or your practitioner or, or whatever, but talking through these things, but having those conversations at an early age, I think, like I said, we're not, we absolutely don't blame our parents for, for the trauma in our lives or for the decisions we've made as adults. And we, we both think that it could have been really beneficial had we been empowered with the words and the tools and the resources early, early on in life to understand sexuality and to understand the scary things that are out there and also to set the stage for what actually healthy sexuality looks like and um, self-confidence and, you know, accepting your bodies and all these kinds of things could have been really helpful conversations. So we, we just really want to encourage you that it is okay to talk to your kids and it's just a matter of finding out what's the appropriate amount to tell them, whether it's about your story or about um, pornography or sex in general. Yeah, and, and I would conclude by saying, you know, you, you um, in any relationship, there's conflict and uh, there's misunderstanding. And, and so, but as you work through those things, that's what creates a real deep intimacy between family members and, and, and uh, husbands and wives. And, all, and I'm not talking, you know, specifically sexual intimacy. I'm talking about just intimacy and getting to know each other and seeing each other. And, and this is one of these things too. You're going to make mistakes because we just know nobody is really good at doing this. And you're going to hurt your kids because you are. It just is what it is. And, and if you think you'll never hurt your kids, well, you're wrong. So you are. But this is a, always a real opportunity to get vulnerable with each other and talk through this and teaching your kids how to be vulnerable, how to come in and talk about scary things. I mean, that's a really, I, you know, I can, I can just recount our own situation. I think the level of conversation, and Keegan and I have always been close his entire life, but the level of deep conversation that happened after this, as we went through this really, really hard period, um, I think, you know, helped grow me, it helped grow him. It, you know, it, it brought you into healing in a different way and that sort of thing. So don't be afraid to have those conversations. Get it going. Don't delay um, because, you know, the, the, the danger is out there. It's, it's yeah. there now. It's not coming. It's there now. Yeah, I think that any, any relationship, whether um, it's vertical or horizontal, you know, in a, in a, a spousal relationship or a parental relationship, or a friendship or whatever it is, um, the more vulnerable you are provide safety for them to be vulnerable with you. And so as scary as this topic can be in a lot of situations, it really opens the door for a deeper, better, stronger relationship, not the opposite. So if, you know, we're, we're always afraid that we're going to be uncomfortable having these conversations. And yeah, you, you totally will be. And um, that sets the stage to have a deeper relationship with them, with that person. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you found this podcast interesting or helpful, it would mean so much if you leave a five-star review or post a screenshot and share on social media. We are on a mission to share the message of recovery and you can help get the word out. If you know a friend who could use this podcast, please share it.